Education. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Kreisel and Diane Duvernay, your host every week right here on AM 1290, repeated at 11 on Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets and of Montecito's Upper Village. And Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm, coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. Neil, you must have had a great weekend, given you're always talking about the weather, and yesterday couldn't have been a more perfect day. Yeah, but I'm already worried about uh, Wednesday morning at five in the morning, I'm flying to Denver. I have a... The crack of 5.30 in the morning flight, which is uh, un- inhuman. And I looked at the weather before, it's snowing. So here we are, oh, 75 degrees. Yeah, I know. At 5.30 a.m. nonetheless. Yeah. That's like, I'm shocked. I can't wait to hear about the details. Yeah, I'll be complaining all week. Oh, I'm sure you will be. <laughs> <laughs> Probably into next week, too, after you get back. So anyway, we are thrilled to have with us in studio the founders of Stay Open, and I hope you stay with us to find out more about it. It's a very innovative uh, new concept, and I can't wait to hear more about it. But before we do that, Neil, do we have some articles? We do. Um, And last week, we talked about WeWork's uh, SPAC uh, public entry. Uh, And this week, uh, the Wall Street Journal on during this weekend uh, had uh, published an analysis of the information they're providing investors versus the information they provided the SEC when they attempted two years ago to go public the traditional way and the SEC raised some alarms. And, you know, what is not that surprising is that the uh, issues that the SEC raised are still in uh, the current offering, only the SEC has no right to remove it. Uh, the uh, first issue is that WeWork includes the company's units, including those that they don't own directly. The company also uses um, a, uh, a metric that includes uh, outside of the U.S. Uh, units that aren't part of this public offering. Um, They uh, uh, are assuming that they're they're saying that they're a $5 billion company, although that's just based upon what they estimate they could grow over the next couple of years, including double booking some, some of their rooms. So here we have a company that failed a public offering because it did not meet the SEC standards, and they're using the SPAC as a backdoor way of entering the public domain. What I find to be fascinating about that, however, is that everybody knows this. We all know that it was a failed public offering, and yet people are still going to buy into the SPAC on the speculation that they think it's going to go up. 
Well, in, in, in that vogue of craziness, the next article is entitled, What is Dogcoin? Uh, for those of uh, our listeners that aren't familiar with Dogcoin, dog it is a form Sounds of- like You might have started, Neil. Well, it, it's, it's, um, it's like Bitcoin, only it was, uh, it was created as a joke uh, because unlike Bitcoin, uh, there's an infinite amount of currency that can be issued. And so, whereas you can make the case, although I won't, but some could make the case that Bitcoin is a hedge against inflation, inflationary uh, 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 countries issuing paper money to pay for debts. Uh, here we have uh, a, a, uh, a cyber currency that has unlimited amount of uh, of coins that can be issued. And um, they have no real acceptance among any retailers. Uh, so it really makes no sense. But here's the thing. As of Saturday, the value of Dogcons issued was $50 billion. $50 billion. That doesn't, that doesn't even make sense. Well, I know, but that's... that's dollars for Dogcoin? Yeah. Well, but you know what? The next article is even less crazy. I mean, excuse me, even more crazy. Uh, some guy created a, uh, bought a New Jersey small delicatessen with $35,000 in sales. He then uh, put out a notice that it is a pilot for a new way of owning a delicatessen and they're going to have great food. He then went public with this single delicatessen. It now has a stock market value of $100 million. And even David Ihorn just uh, talked about it saying, this is the uh, tip of, this is the beginning of the end in that when you have a single, and there's a picture of it I'm looking at, which looks like a small deli, not even a big deli. Uh, with 35,000 in sales having a market value of $100 million. Absolutely insane. So Neil, given that you have the most um, experience and wise sage advice amongst all of us here on this call, have you ever seen something like this in your time at Wall Street or, um, or in real estate in Manhattan? No, but I did see this um, in the tulip uh, mania in the 1600s. Uh, and we did see it to some extent in 1929, uh, and it does not end well. And um, you know, one of the problems is that you've got people now looking at investing as fun gambling, and there's so much money floating around the system, and there's so many people who think if you buy a lottery ticket, the lottery ticket, you win or you lose. This is fun. You can watch it go up and watch it go down. It, you can play with it for a very long period of time. And whenever this has happened, oh, oh, actually, since this history going back to Babylonian days, whenever this has happened, you end up with a crash. So um, this is not good. And it may continue for a while as long as the Fed keeps interest rates at zero and there's excess cash in the system and people don't know what to do with their money with interest rates at zero. You may still see a lot of this exuberance, but it, it, for me, um, I'm buying a lot of tuna fish cans and getting my car ready to go up to Canada. You know, I have to say you're always full of such optimism on the show, Neil. I'm, I'm surprised we still have listeners. Well, I think we're safe here in the People's Republic of Santa Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, the next article is sort of a, you know, a, 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 the first sign that someone may be getting hurt from this craziness is from the tax report in the Wall Street Journal this weekend. And it talks about some of the Robin Hood tax pitfalls. And we talked about some of the issues before about uh, investors who are young and are using Robinhood for the first time don't realize that they have to withhold themselves for any gains that they've realized. But here's another one. Robinhood, unlike all other uh, online brokerage systems, does not permit you to pick which stock you sold when you have a portfolio of stock and you decide to sell doesn't give you the right to choose the higher price one or the lower price one. So whereas- uh, It doesn't allow you to choose the lot in which they right, sell? Right, it's it's done on a FIFO basis. So if you would have paid more for futures for further stock, you're not gonna be able to get the benefit of using the higher price stock to lower your capital gains. And that's something that, you know, is, is, is not only aren't you able to do it, although there's a way to do it, but it's very complicated. Uh, I don't think the typical Robinhood investor even knows that's an issue. Right. Until they get their tax bill. Until they get the tax bill. Um, the, uh, the, the next, and again, where this theme today is crazy, um, is um, the uh, Coinbase uh, public offering that went out, that came out last week. And um, there's no question that what Coinbase is, is just a vehicle to gamble. And it has, you know, a market value, I can't find it right here, but it's, it's billions of dollars. And all it is, is a way to trade cryptocurrency without having to go to the trouble of actually buying the cryptocurrency. And so what you have is essentially an online gambling casino selling at a capitalization that is, um, you know, bigger than most S&P companies. Um, next article is uh, SPAC hot streak put on ice by regulatory warnings. And this may have some uh, positive effect is the SEC just came out with a couple of statements saying that they're now really concerned about SPACs and as one of the uh, SPAC, uh, one of the investors that founded the first couple of SPAC said, quote, the, the SEC effectively has now come in and stopped the party. Uh, while some SPAC deals have soared over the, uh, overall the sector is struggling. An exchange traded fund that, tra that tracks SPACs is down more than 25% since its peak. So while we look at some of the stocks that have gone public through SPAC, the reality is that not only is the SEC beginning to gear up, but in terms of the whole marketplace for SPACs, they're down 25%. Well, I think it's important to realize what the SEC's purpose is, is really to protect the end investor. And SPACs have no protections for the end investors. And so ultimately, I think it's, it's a good thing that the SEC is actually waking up and realizing um, basically what a SPAC is, is undermining their regulation. Yeah, well, that's the that's the reason for SPAC's existence. It's a way to get around having to go through a reg a reg uh, ten uh, reg a uh, regulations and and just fully disclose uh, all your all your warts. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM twelve ninety KZSB, and we'll be right back.
For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB07220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB07528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending. Since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personal and honest manner. And we can be reached at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com, or you could give us a call at 805-563-1290. So if you're just joining us, we have with us um, the very innovative co-founders of State Open, Steve Chopilski, CEO, Alexander Morris, CTO, and Andrew Slurvoff. And I butchered your names and I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, And so... You know, thank you guys so much for being here with us today. And, you know, as I've been reading more and more about Stay Open, um, it's really innovative. So tell us in your words, what is Stay Open and what you hope to accomplish with the idea? Yeah, I mean, Stay Open is a combination Italian deli, virtual currency, co-working facility that you can gamble. No, just kidding. <laughs> we just pivoted to my, uh, you guys are like, what? do you see my face dropping? Right, right. Right. Like, How did you know what we do? No, no, uh, no, but there's some great learnings from some of those articles that we'll touch upon as we talk about the narrative of stay open, but simply put stay open um, takes commercial real estate, predominantly underutilized office space and retail space and converts it to socially engaging, technology-enabled, fancy hostels. So we're taking space that's now empty, that has a limited use type, and we're repurposing it with our design capabilities, our branding, and our technology to build a, a modern version of what has traditionally been a youth hostel in Europe, 
South America or Asia, and we're taking dead spaces that that just have no life, and we're bringing people to them. We're, we're spurring economic activity in that specific real estate, and we're also providing a way for um, travelers and longer-term residents to do so in a flexible, affordable, yet still socially engaging manner. So now is it just a hostel or are you creating these pods for working as well? So the, the pods, so there's a couple pain points to, to staying in a hostel or the traditional pain points, right? Well, one of those is you sleep in a cot in a room with, with people you may or may not know and you Random get- Yes. Random strangers is, is one way to put it. And, and you get no privacy at all. So we said, what are some of the main pain points of a hostel? And that's obviously one of the biggest pain points. So we, we were inspired by some of the things coming out of Asia in terms of sleeping pod design, but we weren't happy with the aesthetic feel of it, with the size of it. And it felt, those felt like an MRI machine. And we said, let's make our pods more like furniture and more like a little like a little tiny room, but about the same size. So we designed our own pods here in Southern California um, to give it a really nice aesthetic, give it uh, lighting that one can control, ventilation that one can control, a door that opens and closes. So it provides light insulation, sound insulation, and a much higher degree of privacy, yet you're still in a room with other people. But when you close your pod door, you're transported into a very positive sleep environment. How many units do you uh, anticipate, on average, uh, your uh, uh, you 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 aspire to have in, in any particular building? How many pods in any particular building? Yeah. Our target point is about 100 to 150 pods per average size property that that will be in, and the average size property will be between 10,000 and 30,000 square feet. So now. When you have, given that it, this idea has come out of Asia, have you found any resistance to the Americans actually adopting it? As you know, I, I've been reading up on you and in preparing for the interview, and I see that there's one being proposed in San Diego and at the port and, and a bunch of these different um, opportunities. And you guys, your collective experience is quite impressive. Um, However, do you think that there'll be a hesitancy given that Americans are used to a certain way of, of being and we're very difficult as, as this pandemic has weighed out, very difficult in changing our thinking? Yeah, actually quite, quite the contrary. I think even pre-pandemic, um, especially a, a younger SKU generation was more and more accustomed to sharing and being in shared spaces. We share Ubers, we share office space, obviously. Um, aside the, the, the problematic business model of WeWork, the fact that people liked being in a shared office environment was actually very positive. People yearn for community, they yearn to be around each other. And I think this pandemic has actually taught us that that yearning is even greater than we all could even have imagined. While these Zooms are great as a supplement, they by no means replace that collective energy that people have being around each other. So what we sought out to do was create a beautiful environment where that's actually positive. So in the traditional hostel, um, there's shared areas, but the shared areas weren't very nice. They weren't designed well, they, they weren't very big. They were just kind of this little tiny lobby where a bunch of people congregated and you, and you met, met great people. You actually met great people and you went on an adventure together. So we said, wait a second. And if you ask most people, what's their most positive memory of 
traveling in a hostel or in a shared experience. So like, God, I met the coolest person in the lobby. And then we went on to the next destination together. They told me to go to this great restaurant or they told me that, and we've stayed in touch and, and we're very close. So we said, wait a second, if we actually simplify the rooms themselves and just focus on the sleep environment and the pods and from a deployment and cost effectiveness, you have pod rooms and then invest our designability and our, our capital or, or the capital into uh, designing the common areas and making them fun and socially engaging and modular so they could change from the morning to the night so people could use them for different types of events, whether it's yoga in the morning all the way to, to a lounge bar in the evening. We said, let's actually make those common areas fun so that even though people are staying in a shared environment, they don't really feel like it. They actually like to be in this environment better than a Marriott courtyard because you know no one ever meets anyone at a Marriott right? Like everyone's just on their way. And that's part of the problem with the world. And we think now coming out of the pandemic, more and more people just yearn for that con actual in-person connection that we've all missed out on for the past year. And this is a perfect renaissance to kind of bring people back uh, together. Um, and then the technology actually ties it all together by actually having people connect with each other before their stay, during their stay and after their stay. How's the, how's the price difference between uh, your uh, pod and the, the, the Marriott you just referred to? Yeah, I'll give you a great example. So so we're not too far from you. We're, we're in Venice, uh, so not too far from the Republic of Santa Monica. And over <laughs> there, right. <laughs> in the height of the summer, there's a few select service hotels right in downtown Santa Monica, and they'll start pushing about $400 a night for a select service hotel room. Motels along the beach here in Venice will also push around $400 a night. And these are not the nicest of properties. Our target price point is between $50 and $75 per pod. So it's a lot more accessible if you're, especially if you're traveling by yourself or with one other person, it's still much more cost-effective in, in a summer month or in surge periods than, than a select service hotel, which offers nothing from an experience or connection perspective at all. Uh, what's the ratio of beds to bathroom facilities? Why don't I, I'll let Alex, our CTO, take over for that because uh, and Alex is my co-founder and CTO and I have Andrew also, um, but he's done a lot of data science mining on figuring out how many bathrooms we need. And I'll talk a little bit about the bathroom experience as well. Yeah, um, great question. Uh, you know, so for an office space, the bathrooms that you need to, for instance, um, uh, deal with like, let's say a 230 person uh, office space is surprisingly low. Um, but when you then take into account um, showering um, and bathing, um, <clears throat> that changes it a little bit. So right now we're at a, a point where um, we can basically for every 15 to 22 guests offer um, a full service um, uh, bathroom experience that feels like, uh, you know, feels really high end like the Equinox gym. Uh, on that note, uh, if everyone now has two minutes to use their own bathroom, uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, 
every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. If you have trouble handling your anger, get help. If someone you love is hurting or scaring you, get help. There is a full-service domestic violence agency in Santa Barbara County, which offers emergency shelter, counseling, transitional housing, anger management, and teen outreach programs. Its name is Domestic Violence Solutions for Santa Barbara County. Call their 24-hour helpline at 964-5245. Domestic Violence Solutions for Santa Barbara County, putting an end to domestic violence. Did you know that domestic violence sends more than 500 women and children to emergency shelters every year? There is a place where all family members affected by domestic violence can get help. Domestic Violence Solutions for Santa Barbara County. With four 24-hour phone lines to help. In Santa Barbara, call 964-5245. In Santa Maria, call 925-2160. In Lompoc, call 736-0965. And in Santa Ynez, call 686-4390. The first all-news radio format in the U.S. debuted 56 years ago this month. Station WINS in New York City pioneered the format, which has been successfully replicated in cities around the country despite many initial doubts. Today in the U.S., there are over 15,400 radio broadcasting establishments employing 87,000 people with annual industry revenues of around $21 billion. Profile America is a public service of the U.S. Census Bureau. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. And if you're just joining us, we have the pleasure of having the founders of Stay Open with us today, Andrew, Alex, and Steve. And before the break, we were talking about, um, you know, kind of Alex was taking over talking about the bathrooms and, and how the ratios that were needed. Um, Alex, given your background of, of such um, really uh, high tech uh, sound, how did how did you use that experience to help make the pods more um, soundproof and and a better ex experience for the end user? Um, yeah, you know the pods has been a really interesting process because in the beginning we were thinking about um, getting these pods uh, essentially from China, um, but they were plastic; they didn't have um, a, a really beautiful feel to them. Um, so what we did is we we basically put them um, into AutoCAD and um, me and my team uh, basically designed a new version of it. Um, and this version was centered around, um, you know, much more sustainable materials. Um, it was a, a much larger pod. So, you know, when you step into the pod, you actually feel like you're in a little room um, and it's got beautiful lighting, um, you know, 16 million uh, colors. Um, so, you know, that process has been really fun. And then, of course, you know, seeing it go from, um, you know, design and conception to actually, um, you know, sleeping in one of these things um, really, for me, like changed the whole experience. Because, you know, when Steve first connected with me um, about this, uh, he, you know, I said, hey, why can't we just, you know, have really beautiful bunk beds? Um, but there's really no, no substitute to, the, to, to that privacy you get. Um, you know, it's shared experience everywhere else, but then once you step in that pod, you have basically full privacy. Um, my daughter loved it. You know, she came down um, to the lab here in Venice and uh, st stayed a few nights. And, you know, it's like perfect for, 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 for her, um, her age group as well. How are you dealing with security? Um, security from what aspect? Well, you're putting 
all you're putting different people who are strangers in a, in a common area. Um, there, you know, even in a hotel, there's security issues. So uh, whether it's bathrooms or whether it's three o'clock in the morning, how do you, you know, make sure yeah. that your, your people are safe? I mean, think of it a little bit like, like getting on an airplane where to get on an airplane, you have to provide a lot of information to actually board the plane. Obviously we're not dealing with that type of level, but um, our platform, and this is a lot where the tech comes in, um, in order to stay at our property, you have to be on our app. You have to have a social profile. You have to have some level of background information. At least you may, you may not want to share it with everyone else, which will allow the user to share or not share. But in terms of with us as the hospitality property, you have to share that with us. We don't take any cash payments. Everything is digital currency. So no matter what you do, there's always um, a way that you can't really get away with something. So it, it disincentivizes bad actors from being part of our community. And the more people that are around you, the, the, the more you feel safe because there's other eyes in the property as well. So it's not too indifferent from really walking into any place. In fact, it's probably safer because so much of what we're building is attracting the right type of community member so that we foster an environment of, of safety and inclusivity. You know, you have obviously there's there's hospitality properties out there in the world and you kind of know what they do. You kind of know that they're into just catering to unsavory characters, people that are going to kind of be bad actors. And people tend to gravitate to those properties because it's permitted, in fact, almost encouraged by the ownership of those types of properties. That's unfortunately part of their business model. If you, from the onset, set a standard where that is not acceptable, um, it goes a long way in terms of providing safety for the overall broader community. Okay, so yeah. that, an that, that answer is perfect for a... A customer, but from an investor standpoint, all you need is one incident and bad press, and it could be devastating. So, is there a concern on your part uh, you, that you know you're putting um, uh, you're from a reputational standpoint because this is new? Um, I would expect that there should be a, a level of security that would make you feel comfortable, not just the guest. Yeah. No, we feel, I mean, what I actually haven't heard of an instance of a security concern from a hostel in Europe ever, really, or no more so than, than in any other hospitality property. Um, we do offer the ability for people, if, if there's concern for males and females, we have female-only rooms. So obviously, that's probably one of the bigger concerns of, of, of mixing genders, if, if, if that's how people choose to identify. Um, we have co-ed rooms as well. Um, we also have small private rooms. So if someone themselves is personally overly concerned, the small private rooms still share the bathroom, but you get into your room and you have your own bed and you could lock your own door. So you have a little bit more uh, privacy from that sense. But again, I don't have much of a concern. We, we have other Similar to what a lot of the co-working um, operators have in place, we do have mobility beacons showing motion patterns of people. We are able to sense if there's activities of commotion going on in the property and trigger sort of, do we need to go and check and knock on a door because there's more motion than, than is typical at 3 a.m. or something. Um, but, and everyone is connected. Everyone has their phone. The, the, the way that someone could get to someone to come to you for help is much faster than in most environments in a hospitality property because everything is digitally connected. It's not just 
your, your phone is, is just going to open your door. Everything that you could do on premises is done through our app, um, including security notifications or an SOS signal as well. And so when you're in your pod to sleep, does, does it lock? How, how does that work? If someone's sleeping in the pod, can somebody else come into it or no? Yeah, we actually haven't, we have the ability to put, so we have 10 data pods in our um, Venice location right now. So we have a small property in Venice that's opening up in, in a month, which we've been working from living in. Um, the lock question, we're dealing with fire life and safety and there, there's the benefit of added security. So there's two things. A lot of people would like a lock because people would like to just throw their stuff, close their pod door and leave it. I mean that, so there's a convenience factor. And then there are some people that would like to sleep with a pod door that's closed and lock it. Um, some people don't ever like lock closing their pod door either just because they feel claustrophobic or they like the openness. Um, and then there's the fire life and safety issue that God forbid there, there's a fire. You don't want to be fidgeting with opening a lock if you do need to, God forbid, get out. So right now we do not have pods in our design plans, uh, locks in our design plans for the pods, um, but we'll be open to it depending on kind of what, if we could solve for the fire life and safety issue, that's kind of the biggest concern because the convenience most likely is there if you give people the option, but for now it's not in there until we figure that out with, with the local fire regulations. And, you know, I'd just like to add, um, you know, just like with an Uber, if, if I'm in a shared situation with an Uber and, um, you know, there's somebody there that's, um, you know, really annoying or, or just being, you know, not, uh, you know, hospitable, um, it's very easy to, to tag that and report that back to Uber. Um, uh, we're in the same sort of situation here. So will you have the same type of functionality, like everyone will be rating each other in there, you know, and, and give people ratings? Uh, it's not, it's not ratings. Um, we, we don't want to have ratings. Um, we definitely, uh, there's a really cool social aspect that once you see, it's sort of hard to unsee. Um, and uh, I don't want to share too much more about that until, uh, for instance, we could um, ha have you come here. Um, but uh, uh, we definitely have that same sort of follower following um, um, ability. And that unlocks a lot of really cool features. But the desire with the application is to encourage good open community members, right? There's an ethos that we are trying to deliver to our members and guests that I think resonates really well, even before COVID, but now more so with the human connection element, inclusivity. The goal is really to bring people together in these wonderful spaces. And obviously with the innovative design of the beds that brings down the affordability to a level that a lot of people you know, can stomach and then get to enjoy great environments and locations. And then we're bringing in the experience element into the actual spaces as well as off the spaces. So the application will bring in you know, great experience providers, yoga instructors, mindfulness instructors, uh, skateboarding, surfing, depending on our location and ensuring that we have you know, top contributors from an experience standpoint, they're delivering that into the community and therefore offering a great experience to the members either within our spaces. So that's the beauty of a sole proprietor that may, may have a cost prohibitive ability to do their craft or their skill. We will actually provide the space, right? The venue space to allow them to, to contribute that experience or that talent to our membership base. And then also off property as well. So it's allowing all these people to kind of come together in a shared experience which I think only drives um, a better stay and a higher guest experience. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. 
Adopt US Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just got invited to the prom. Do you A, meet her date? I need to see your past date report cards, your driver's license, a list of references, and this hair sample. B, help her pick out a dress. <gasps> Don't you just love the long sleeves and turtleneck on this pantsuit? Ugh. C, attend the prom undercover. Mom, what are you doing here? I'm not mom, I'm <clears throat> Calvin, the new kid at school. Or D, capture her big moment. Uh, let's take a photo of you two. I'm in the middle. When it comes to parenting, there are no perfect answers. But that's okay, because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. The Santa Barbara Education Foundation is proud to present the 2021 Hope Awards. This special event honors local heroes of public education, and it'll take place Thursday, April 29th. Here's Margie Yayavi. We focus on heroes in public education. This year, we're going to be honoring Nick Rail and Craig Price for their outstanding contributions to Santa Barbara Unified School District students. Should be a wonderful event. We're going to have music from students. We'll have a silent auction. We'll have a wine poll. We would love if anybody wants to donate a silent auction item or some wine or just for people to register to attend the event. It's free and it's going to be a virtual event. To learn more about the 2021 Hope Awards coming up Thursday, April 29th, go to SantaBarbaraEducation.org. That's SantaBarbaraEducation.org. Or call 805-284-9125. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream of that. So let's switch gears for a minute and talk about the entrepreneurship and how you've started this company and you've done a lot of, um, or I'm assuming you're doing fundraising. And Andrew, when I look at your bio, you know, you've had, you know, many years of experience fundraising for exactly this type of company, which is the hotel industry. So how are you using those skills to help you fundraise for this new type of concept? Um, you know, I, I think in the, the old days, the hostel world was definitely someone who had a had space, kind of opened it up and let some kids sleep there. This is really taking it to that next level. And how, do you, how are you finding the, um, the fundraising side? And are you finding investors to be, you know, open to this new idea? Sure. Uh, great question. And yeah, I mean, in terms of the experience, Steve and I have actually been business partners for years. So we've, we've known each other for a long time. And several years ago, after developing and financing luxury hotels, uh, we were a big investor in the Waldorf Astoria in Beverly Hills. We're building a 401 key Hyatt House Hyatt Place Hotel near Los Angeles Airport. Um, all these experiences essentially gravitated to where we are with the Stay Open concept. It was dealing with the various brands. Um, and franchises, building these very capital intensive and very um, uh, time consuming development projects. And with Stay Open, we recognize that there was a missing segment in the marketplace to allow really affordable accommodations to be delivered to a broad demographic of people. And we were sort of in this perfect 
upswing of the digital nomads that were emerging and people no longer really tied down to specific locations, but really wanting to find incredible environments with great people, great energy, great common space, and of course the affordability. And so we were building towards that, that moment. And we're very fortunate with all the years of investment we've done and, and the great limited partners that we've had in our more, I call it our conventional or traditional business. We've, we've obviously sort of gravitated to open, which we believe is the future of accommodations, uh, both domestically, internationally. But uh, we were fortunate uh, last year, despite COVID, uh, with one of our investors, uh, we had a fundraising round, which really catapulted us um, in a significant way in August of last year to bring us where we are to date. Um, and then as we're coming into this year, we've really built out all the components of our business and are incredibly excited to raise more capital to really uh, have the growth inflection point of our business model, um, which will really take uh, sort of the, the entire turnkey solution and now deliver that to a land, to any landlord in America that has four walls to be able to transform their space. So we're sort of right at this period of time to really grow the company in a, in a substantial manner. And we're looking forward to um, potentially an upcoming fundraising round. So when you uh, do a deal, are you looking to own the building or to rent space in the building? We're actually ideally neither. So in, in the ideal scenario, and we're not at ideal yet, but the ideal scenario is we come in as just a manager operator. So we don't want to get into one of the uh, problematic areas that the uh, WeWork got in by taking long-term liability lease risk when we're not in the business of, of leasing properties. And we think that there's so much availability now that um, there's such demand for REITs and various large-scale institutional owners that need to do something with the space to generate revenue with empty space, but also just to get foot traffic and people into malls as well. And we think a bed in a favorable location is a great way to, to do that. So, so, that so, so basically what your business model is, is to go to people that have these properties and for a fee, uh, work on a possible deal and then if it works out you get the management of the property correct correct yeah so it's not a real cat so you're not really capital intensive in that sense we're, exactly. brand, management we're a brand management so very similar setup to a traditional hospitality company now having said that one of our first projects because andrew and i have have developed real estate in the past that is a core competency of ours which is also very helpful in helping other people open up opens the San Diego project, and this goes back to one of the questions of, do people actually want this? Um, the port of San Diego actually approached us, the, the community, and had our RFP asking for the general public to come up with an affordable accommodation model in partnership with the California Coastal Commission. Um, so they actually gave us property. They're giving us uh, an old budget rental car facility. We won the RFP and we're converting a 15,000 square foot former budget rental car facility across the street from the San Diego airport. We're adding a second floor to it and it's going to be about a 30,000 square foot, 240 bed stay open property. And half of the development cost is being subsidized by the California Coastal Commission who collected in lieu of fees from another developer that in lieu of building additional affordable rooms as part of their entitlements to their fancy high-end hotel, they just paid an in lieu of tax to the Coastal Commission and 
the Coastal Commission had to account for those beds eventually by a certain point in time. So they went out to um, the private markets and said, and partnered up with the Port of San Diego. So you got the building, we'll pay for some of this. Let's find someone that could find an economically feasible business model to build affordable accommodations, providing accessibility um, to California's coast. That instance, we raised a separate sidecar fund. We have another set of investors that are actually owning the real estate. And then Stay Open is the brand management company that will just get paid a fee for operating the property. Um, and it's just based generally paid as a, on a percentage of gross revenue that the property generates. Now, do you see these applications also potentially working with housing authorities for to help solve the homeless um, homeless issue that much of California is facing, at least coastal California? For sure. Um, and we're trying to figure out exactly what that means. Um, we're, we're in the heart of Venice here right now. We're, we're on the boardwalk. Um, we see what's going on on a daily basis. It, it's, it's ground zero here um, where we are in on the west side in Los Angeles. Um, we've approached cities and have said there's surely something we are doing with how we're taking underutilized buildings and designing them to accommodate people in a humane safe and fun manner in fact we're people are going to pay us to do this to stay so surely there's something that we can do to address the homelessness situation for cities so that's been the first step in terms of let's sit down and figure out what the root of the problem is Obviously, there's problems with social services and other elements that, you know, there's so many use cases for homelessness that that it's not just about get a bed up. But what we could definitely do is on a per bed basis for the use cases that allow people to stay in a shared environment, our per bed unit relative to what our state is paying for a room to get built, which is I'm sure you guys have heard the statistics where it's almost half a million dollars average unit cost of getting an affordable uh, property built um, through the Triple H program, I mean, and how long it's taking, surely counties and cities own buildings that are underutilized or can lease underutilized buildings because there's plenty of properties that may not work for a stay open because it's not in an ideal tourist location or in a location with a high demand driver for a stay open property but drive two or three miles, it's an empty building. There may be a great use case for, for a homeless or bridge housing situation and the utilization of pods and even some of the technology that we're developing, we definitely think there's a fit. Um, on a very simple basis, we're also just, our target demographic, um, they, they are very socially active. They like to help, but again, they like to help with doing as little as possible. So even just in app when people book, we are allowing people to make simple donations, round up, and all that money will be set aside and will be used towards contributing to various homeless causes, at least in our surrounding area, which there are several of. So, and we're, this, this is a core competency and priority for us. If, if we're providing for beds and we're in the sleep as a service space, there's definitely something that we need to do to help address homelessness in this country. And it's a priority for us. Uh, we have to go to break, but real quickly, what does the, what does the, the term stay open mean? Well, it's, it's, it's what it means. There can mean so many things to so many people, but, but being open-minded into your experiences, where you can go, where you can travel is, is the core premise, being inclusive. Um, and stay is obviously you can 
stay in a place, but you can also stay humble. You can stay within yourself. There, there's a lot of different meanings um, to the two terms combined of always staying open and open-minded, especially when you're a shared environment. And it's kind of what our world has always needed and it needs it more so than ever now. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB and we'll be right back with our final segment. For prospective home buyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. One of the world's most important medicines, insulin, became available for general use this month in 1923, saving the lives of millions of people suffering from diabetes. The breakthrough ended what used to be the automatic death sentence of diabetes and offered its sufferers the prospect of living full and productive lives. Pharmaceutical manufacturing employs over a quarter million people nationwide. Profile America is a public service of the U.S. Census Bureau. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So what do you see as the long-term vision for Stay Open? Um, right now, you're, you're excited. You're getting ready to open your first location in Venice. What do you see? What's the vision five, 10 years out? Yeah, five years out. We see stay open as being pretty much everywhere where a traveler or an individual could go in every every kind of medium to large city, definitely across the U.S., where it's almost Uber-like, where you show up to a city, you don't even have to premeditate where you're going to stay or how you're going to stay. You open up your phone, you see what the closest stay open is. It's going to be within a two to three minute walk or short drive, again, depending on the metropolitan area, and you could just show up and you know exactly what you're going to get. You know what your sleep experience is going to be like. You know what the community is going to be like. You know what the experiences are going to be like. And it is so frictionless. And if you want to wake up the next day and drive two hours south to San Diego, you're going to do the same thing. And when you show up, 
you're going to do the same exact thing. And you can keep doing that over and over. And no matter where you go, you know, you're going to have a community. It's going to be consistent. Um, and, you know, given that all the available real estate out there, there's just a statistic where there's going to be 80,000 retail stores closed over the next five years. Right. And if we're in 10% of those stores as stay opens, we will hit our five-year growth target. Now, do you hope eventually, you know, if we, we look out even further to go public and be an international company? Uh, we definitely see an international opportunity, 100%. There's a couple other people doing something similar in the hospitality space that have had very successful capital raises. Some have started overseas and are coming to the U.S. We're going the other way. So definitely international. Um, I don't overthink too much about going public or exit strategy. We're, we're building a company. We're having a lot of fun doing it. We think we're doing something um, for the greater good of, of bringing people together and helping communities and helping real estate. And we're surely going to be profitable while we do it. So that, and we're going to help find a way to get people in beds that need them. Um, that other stuff takes care of itself when, when the markets demand it. We'll see if the capital need is there. But as we talked about earlier, public is, you know, if you need it, you need it. If you don't, you don't need it. Um, so no real plans on, on that as of yet. Well, you well, always ha you always have SPACs to fall back on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> to go into my uh, deli stack. Uh, yeah, thank, thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, thank that. you so yeah. much, Steve, yeah. Alex, and, and Andrew. Thanks. It's a really fascinating company. Uh, one day, I hope that you're here. Um, you've been listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. It's three o'clock.